This episode of The Pediatrician Next Door is brought to you by our sponsor, Roadrunner Sports. When it's time for a new pair of running or walking shoes, there's no better place to start than Roadrunner Sports. For the past 40 years, they have specialized in finding your perfect fitting running and walking shoes through a revolutionary in-store fitting process. Stop by one of more than 45 stores across the country or visit roadrunnersports.com. Use code NEXTDOOR, N-E-X-T-D-O-O-R, on-site or mention this offer at your local store and receive 20% off your first order when you become a VIP member. I'm sure you haven't missed the news that getting exercise improves your health. We doctors and scientists also know that more physical activity and fitness during childhood and the teen years, it means you're less likely to have diabetes, cancer, and heart disease when you're older. And you know who cares about that? Not kids, they don't care at all. They get exercise for a bunch of reasons that mostly don't involve being healthy when they're adults. Sometimes it's accidentally because they actually like to play. And some of them, they wanna look good. And many kids participate in sports so that they have a friend group or maybe just something to do. The people who know something about kids' health, they recommend that all kids and teenagers get at least 60 minutes of what they call MVPA, which stands for Moderate to Vigorous Physical Activity. I I can't really believe they made an acronym out of that. But anyway, basically, a kid needs to move enough to sweat for 60 minutes a day doing something they like. So scientists did a cool study to see how many kids were meeting this MVPA goal. They made kids wear activity trackers, and it was part of something called the study of early child care and youth development. And the researchers found that pretty much all kids up to age nine, they were getting the recommended amount of activity. But by 15 years of age, only one in three kids were meeting that goal on weekdays. And then less than one in five were meeting it on weekends. We've got this weird gap in this country. We've got a bunch of kids that don't do anything at all. And then we have student athletes that overtrain. And then we've got kids in the middle that do nothing all summer. And then suddenly they're training 20 hours a week when their sports season starts. It's not surprising then for you to hear that one out of five kids miss at least one day of school each year due to a sports injury. I'm a pediatrician and I wanna help parents raise the healthiest kids. So I talked to a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist, Dr. Andrew Pennock, about how to raise the healthiest athletes and keep them in the game. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. Dr. Andy Pennock is a pediatric orthopedic and sports medicine surgeon at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. So he sees firsthand the bad injuries that can take an athlete out of their sport. He's also the father of three young athletes. So he understands firsthand that a family needs to find the balance between what your kids want and what's best for them in terms of sports. And here's where we started. From your perspective, what's the right way to train before season starts? I mean, I think... We see some athletes in San Diego that come into a season in really good shape. I mean, they've been playing with their club and they've been doing summer training, let's say the volleyball players, to give themselves the best chance to make some of these competitive high school teams. And so some people are coming in in the season pretty good shape and maybe even a little bit banged up where 
they haven't had six weeks off in, quite honestly, six months to a year or some situations, sometimes years. And then there's the other extreme where you have somebody that has maybe not run a quarter mile all summer and they haven't done much other than game and hang out with friends. And now all of a sudden their football coach is requiring them or demanding that they you know, do 18, 20 hours a week of football, which I think is the CIF limit, which most high schools are targeting at this point is 18, 20 hours. So those are big demands. And if they're not conditioned, they're at risk of stress fractures and just uh, muscle sprains, muscle pulls. So I guess it's sports-specific, kids-specific, family-specific based on what the baseline of their athlete is. Clearly, for the athlete who hasn't been doing a lot, you can't go from doing nothing to running a marathon, let's say. <laughs> you got to build up to it and train. So I think getting some exposure beforehand, and is that two weeks, four weeks, six weeks? Once again, I think it depends on the sport and the demands of those sport. I think for the other extreme, those athletes that are coming in who have been going really hard, trying to call it peak, you know, they're training to peak for that uh, tryout to give themselves the best chance to make that team. Sometimes a little break beforehand can be, you know, very helpful. We see that a lot. Periodization of training for Olympic athletes as they're approaching that championship, that world championship, the Olympics, NCAAs, a lot of times there's a week or two where the training's actually backing down to give the body a break so that at that time when they got to perform optimally, their body's in a better position to do that. So that's the first tip. Figure out where your child is at when it's time to head back to sports and then make a plan from there. My advice is that every kid from age four to whenever they leave your home needs to participate in some kind of physical activity. So for the kids who aren't doing anything, talk to them. Tell them they have to pick something. It can be an organized sports team or martial arts, rock climbing, skateboarding, riding their bike, swimming, whatever they want to try. But they have to choose something and stick to it for a little while. Those earlier years, that's the time to set that expectation. Your kids should know that every year you're going to have this conversation with them about what physical activities they want to try. For those kids who are participating in sports, do they need to take a step back and rest a bit before the season starts? Or is it time to start training specifically for their sport? This assessment at the beginning of the season is an important part of having a good season and a part of preventing injury. It's one of the reasons athletes need a sports physical. We need to talk to them to make sure they're ready to start. One of the things I always talk about with young athletes is that they have to play a variety of sports and take some time off. I give this advice because I see a lot of kids at different ages and those kids who play the same sport year round with few breaks, in my experience, they burn out. They lose interest and they get injured. And research backs me up. Here's what expert Dr. Pennock knows and what his experience as a surgeon fixing the consequences of sports injuries has influenced him to do with his own kids' sports participation. If you take a step back and look at what the data shows, depending on the sport and the activity, if you are playing a single sport more than nine months per year, you're three to seven times more likely to have an overuse injury. So three to seven times more likely. And in sports like gymnastics, let's say, where you have a high baseline rate of overuse injuries, if you increase that risk by three to seven times, that means there's a very high probability you're going to sustain an injury. 
So if you work back from that, trying to find blocks in the schedule to have time off, and what does that mean to the athlete? It's sometimes hard to find those three-month breaks, but three months really seems to be that critical number that you're less likely to have an overuse injury with three months off. As a family, my job has really pushed me towards multiple sports, try to keep it one sport per season, even though we're not good about it right now, but having another option, a pop-up valve that, hey, if let's say if my daughter's knee is hurting from playing volleyball all the time, maybe we can switch her over and have focus more on soccer where it doesn't hurt as much or you know, using if my son's arm is hurting because he played too much travel baseball, we can put a hold on it, but you know what? He can switch over to flag football and he's still with friends and still staying active and he's still developing as an athlete, as an individual, but not all our eggs in one basket. So here's the secret, parents. And this is the next tip. If you want your child to be successful as an athlete and have a better chance of staying physically healthy, definitely has benefits for mental health, you need to plan to take a minimum of three months off from playing your child's primary sport. And that break, that's an ideal time to cross-train. It doesn't mean that kids have to be sedentary during that time, but for the baseball players, let's say we've done MRI studies looking at elbows and shoulders and the odds and probability of having an abnormal MRI. And you're seven times more likely in our studies to have a shoulder or elbow problem that we pick up on an MRI if you're playing year-round. Those that have that only play eight months a year, it seems to be protective. And during that time, hey, if, if somebody's really sporty and sporty, Sports are important to them. Hey, do us another sport. Play basketball during that time. I mean, play football. Do some other activity. If you're musically inclined, pick up an instrument. Volunteering. I mean, there's so much that kids can do that are lifelong activities that teach kids important skills beyond what they do on a sports field. Remember, your goal as a parent is to develop lifelong patterns and habits. And part of that is finding things your kid likes. Their job is to try new things. So we talked about making a plan for which activities and sports your athlete is gonna be involved with. And we talked about taking time off. We know these things make it less likely to have a sports injury. Next, let's talk about how do we physically prepare for the sports season? How important is sports conditioning? And here's the question I hear really often, is weightlifting okay? I think the conditioning is an important component that really is missed in San Diego. Very few athletes, including my kids who are all in the midst of it, do conditioning programs. They just don't exist. Unless a family is seeking it out on the side, very few clubs have a, a regimented, structured conditioning program. And I think that's something they can do. Like kids can go to a weight room. Very few of the athletes we see outside of the football players are going to the weight room. But I always say, use examples. Find a baseball player that you like. Those guys are huge. They're big athletes. The Mike Trouts, the Tatises of the world, they're big, strong guys who can lift a lot. And they started early in life learning those good skills and foundations. The most common surgery I do is an ACL reconstruction. It's a High school girl soccer player who tears her ACL. And I think it's becoming more and more clear that probably a third of those, somewhere between 25 to 50% of them, could be prevented or maybe could be avoided with some of the strengthening and conditioning programs that are out there.
This episode of The Pediatrician Next Door is made possible by our sponsor, Roadrunner Sports. Got foot pain or aching joints? Need more comfortable shoes to wear all day and don't know where to get expert advice on the best pair of running or walking shoes? Roadrunner Sports has you covered. Stop by one of Roadrunner Sports' 48 stores across the country and experience the perfect fit zone, a revolutionary fitting process that takes personalized shoe comfort to a whole new level. The experts at Roadrunner Sports learn about your running, walking, or fitness habits, dig into any aches, pains, or injuries to help guide your shopping experience. They even scan your foot in 3D to find the perfect size to analyze your arches for any imbalances. With all the top fitness brands such as Brooks, Hoka, On, Asics, Saucony, Nike, and more, this truly feels like running shoe heaven. Not close to one of their stores? The Virtual Fit Finder will simplify your shoe buying journey online and help find perfect fitting shoes just for you. The best part? Their VIP family program will ensure you receive savings and rewards cash on every order. You even get 90 days to test run your shoes to be sure they are perfect for you. Stop by roadrunnersports.com today to learn more about the fitting experience and find your local store. Use code NEXTDOOR, N-E-X-T-D-O-O-R on site, or mention this offer at your local store and receive 20% off your first order when you become a VIP member. Find your best fit ever at Roadrunner Sports today. classes for strength and conditioning, and they're worth looking for. I did an internet search for the keywords strength, conditioning, youth, and I added the name of my city, and two programs came up. You can also ask your coaches if they have a recommendation. Then going to the weight room, I know has a lot of misconceptions from parents. I hear parents worry it's going to stunt their child's growth. It can cause growth plate injuries that it doesn't improve performance after all, and that kids don't have enough hormones for them to gain muscle. None of these things are true. Strength and conditioning can be your sport on its own if your child wants it to be. Remember, we're trying to encourage lifelong habits. The thinking has changed on weightlifting for kids. It's fine. Dr. Pennock agrees, and he has great advice on all kinds of different conditioning. I think you can go to a weight room at an early age. I think it's very clear now that you're not going to stunt the growth plates. You're not going to stunt the child's growth. And that a lot of those lessons learned early on, good form, good technique, do translate to good behavior later in life. So I think those athletes are the ones that are more likely to go to the weight room in college or beyond college. I think weight room is great place for a lot of our athletes, but I don't think it strictly needs to be in the weight room. I think a lot of plyometric training can be done for our more explosive athletes, for volleyball players, basketball players, where vertical jump is really important. Plyometrics can be key. Flexibility is something that's often neglected, particularly for our male athletes. I think a lot of the female athletes have more baseline flexibility than our male athletes. Some of the sports that or female athletes are more likely to maybe gravitate towards like dance, cheer, gymnastics, have a flexibility component that helps them. Whereas maybe football and let's say boys basketball, maybe the athlete doesn't see the benefits of flexibility because injuries are pretty rare through the pre-adolescent years. But then as you start getting to later adolescence, it starts catching up with them. I talk about flexibility programs with a lot of athletes and very few of them are disciplined enough to do it. 
and including my own kids. They're just not willing to spend 20, 30 minutes stretching a day to see significant benefits. So I think getting into structured programs, and that could be yoga, where there's a flexibility components, and look around the NFL, the MLB, and other professional sports leagues. Many of these athletes are doing yoga, in some, some cases almost required by the team, in part because you're stuck there for an hour. Most athletes are competitive. You're stuck in a yoga class, they're going to stick it out. But if you, if you tell them to go home and stretch for two minutes, they're not going to do it. So I think I like the discipline of yoga for stretching. I think for some people, martial arts is a nice supplement. In the 90s, a lot of NFL athletes were doing dance. I mean, that was kind of in vogue. But core strength with the flexibility components. So supplementing your training with where your weaknesses are. I think core stability is so important, particularly I mean, for all the athletes. A lot of our female athletes have huge core deficiencies. It's actually quite remarkable when many of these, I mean, I'm not trying to pick on one sport or one athlete, but I'll see some of these really high-level dancers who are in a dance studio, and they'll be able to tell you 20 hours a week that they're in the dance studio, and you ask them to do some simple test that evaluates their core and their profound deficiencies that really haven't been dealt with or managed and put them at risk of hip issues, um, back issues. So a lot of that can be addressed. I, I really like Pilates as a cross-training modality where it doesn't have the extremes of motion that a lot of these gymnasts and dancers will struggle with hip issues in part because of their looseness and they need more core strength. So I almost prefer Pilates for that population over yoga, where you don't have the extremes of motion, where it's aggravating some of these patients with baseline laxity. I love this concept of finding your weakness and working on that. Is it flexibility, core strength, aerobic conditioning? Which thing is going to round out your athlete and help them perform better? Figure that out, and you might have a superstar on your hands. So far, we've talked about what an athlete can do physically themselves to make a bad injury less likely. The truth is you can't really prevent injuries. You've got kids of all different sizes running around together. Statistically, someone is going to trip or fall or run into another person. That's just basic probability theory. But getting your body in shape, it might decrease the chances of getting off balance or make it a little less likely you're going to have a knee ligament injury when you're hit. If your muscle has good strength, that's going to be protective. I know some parents, they want to wrap their kids in bubble wrap, but I don't think the athletic associations allow that. So what protective gear, or playing surfaces for that matter, should you consider? As an athlete, from my own personal experience and injuries and recommendations of braces, I think you have to figure out what works for you. So you need to be on the competitive pitch, field, slope, whatever that is, with confidence. And if that's a matter of wearing a brace that helps you feel confidence. If it's taping, gives you the confidence. Or maybe the opposite. In my case, wearing a brace made me feel that my knee wasn't normal and not stable, and it reminded me that maybe my knee isn't where it needed to be. So for me, it was beneficial to get rid of the brace. So I think for every individual, it's different. Some of the misconceptions that I often hear 
are, I don't want to wear an ankle brace because it's going to weaken my ankle long term. That is just not true. There's great evidence out of Scandinavia looking at their military population. So when they finish high school in Sweden, let's say, they have a one-year obligation to either go into the military or do public service for the state. And they screen those patients very closely with their socialized healthcare system. They've found the huge benefits of wearing a lace-up ankle brace when you have a history of ankle instability. And it's actually as effective, if not more effective, than formal physical therapy. And I don't mean that a knock on physical therapy because there's huge benefit of therapy. But the point is a brace can be a very powerful tool in the right patient. So... Where I went to college, they could not step foot on the football field without their ankles either taped or braced. I think that's, it may not have benefit for all athletes, but especially for somebody who has a history of ankle sprains, I think ankle braces, particularly the volleyball players and basketball players, can be very helpful. Look at Steph Curry. Hard to find a better basketball player. An athlete that my kids in particular look up to, and I think many do, he wears a lace-up ankle brace. Very clear. You see it every day is playing. Like, that's a visual for these kids to say, even the best in the world, the athlete you look up to wears a brace. It's okay. We see it now with football linemen, and that's a little more controversial of the benefits of wearing a brace for linemen. Early on, the data was a little mixed. It showed that it could probably prevent MCL injuries, but not necessarily ACL injuries. There's some newer data now suggesting that maybe for linemen, a brace can help prevent both ACLs and MCLs. The other one I hear all the time is uh, surface, so sports surface. So grass field versus turf field. The data for that is very mixed. Not all grass is the same and not all field turf is the same. It's not crystal clear which way to go, whether grass is more likely to cause injuries versus turf. Wearing a brace can be helpful in some instances. And we didn't talk much about this, but it is, of course, crucial to have well-fitting equipment, like a comfortable mouth guard that your child's not going to like hang out of their mouth and chew on instead of wearing it. Or check their shin guards. Do they still fit right or did they grow out of them? I ask these things when I examine a kid at their sports physical. And I also always look at an athlete's feet. I'm looking for ingrown toenails and calluses and blisters. And when I examine a kid's feet, I would say like half the time, a kid says, oh, my shoes are too tight. And then the mom says, why didn't you tell me? And then the kid says, I did. And then there's like this whole thing in the exam room and they fight which is fine because all I care about is that the kid gets some shoes that fit well and are appropriate for their sport. Please ask your kids about their shoes and insist they wear good shoes. My son, he just returned from a three-day backpacking trip and he hiked in his Converse and then he complained about his feet hurting for the next three days. I don't know. I mean, he has hiking boots. (sighs) Have this conversation with your student athlete. Ask him how do your shoes fit and how old are they? Are they the right kind of shoes? Like running shoes are very different from basketball shoes. And you want to be sure to get that right to prevent injury. After getting the shoe situation settled, as you're planning your child's activity schedule, you might want to talk to their coaches. Get a feel for their expectations. Check out the playing field. Investigate other complementary activities you might want to include. Do you want to do yoga with your football player's son once a week? 
Or do you want to sign up for a Pilates session together? Can you find a strength and conditioning program or a camp? And most importantly, talk to your child about what they think they might want to work on and what their goals and plans are. They're always, always going to be more likely to buy into taking a break from their sport or trying a dance class if the idea comes from their own brain. I'll leave you with this pearl from Dr. Pennock that sums it all up. You have to figure out, are we really trying to train an athlete for one specific sport or train them for lifelong health in the love of sport? And I think there's a difference. I think ultimately we're doing the latter, a love of sport and long-term health. Thank you to Dr. Andy Pennock for sharing his firsthand experience of what it takes to stay out of his office. You can find him through the link in the show notes. And if you want to hear what Dr. Pennock has to say about how to deal with sports injuries when they do happen, click the follow button in your podcast app. He'll be back on an upcoming episode and you don't want to miss it. For more from the pediatrician next door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.